Welcome, you're listening to the podcast Outlander Soul, Searching for the Soul of Outlander, with me, Reverend Terry Menifee Gow, and me, Dr. Jamie Reeves. We love the book series, books one through eight, so we will be talking about them all, so beware, there are spoilers ahead. All right, welcome guys, welcome back to Outlander Soul and our special guest, mm. Tracy from Outcander. Hello, hello. Thank you again for having me. <laughs> Yay. She was here last week to talk a little bit about a recap from Outlander Season 5 mm-hmm. and in her amazing website, which is, Tracy, where's your website? It's outcander.com, O-U-T-C-A-N-D-O-U-R.com. Uh, and then I'm on Facebook and Twitter under Outcander. And so she has done recaps of each episode and has done some really so- just solid exegetical work. <laughs> <laughs> Very theological term there, Terry. Yes, exegetical work. I'm going to have um, to Google that the... one later, but thank you. I'm assuming it's a compliment. Yeah. It's Greek. It is. Exegesis it is. means to draw oh, out. Oh, there we go. Or to there open like a key. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's your opening, some to exegeting. Mm-hmm. And if you eisegete, then you closely, you draw in. in. So whenever we as theologians exegete the scripture, what it means is we go to the scripture, we try to open it up for something new. Mm -hmm. And when you eisegete something, you generally go to the scripture with preconceived notions. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So you sort of draw out your own sort of thematic analysis from Mm -hmm. scripture interesting that's how it's supposed to be done Mm -hmm. so (laughs) though i mean biblical scholarship here eisegesis is is good in its own right too so the drawing in coming (laughs) yeah yeah it has it has it can be done well so it can be if you're yes (laughs) yes anyway we don't have to talk about that now I'm spending an entire term trying to train people to do eisegesis well, so that's why I'm kind oh, of... Oh, really? Yeah, okay. yeah. You and I will talk offline Yeah, we'll about talk about that later. I think yeah. that, 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 that's, that's fascinating. <laughs> it's reader response criticism stuff, yeah. Look, can... yeah. Yeah, 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 you Keep have on. to. Yeah, yeah. But, okay, so... Greek term, we're talking about Greek mythology. That was a nice seg- segue. Yeah, uh, segue, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Tracy wrote an amazing blog called Monsters and Heroes, which is based on the Monsters and Heroes episode in uh, Outlander Season Mm 5. And in it, she kind of dissects it, but she looks through it she looks at it through the lens of Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. So we, because she's got this amazing point of view that, that kind of comes from Greek mythology, and I am not in any way, shape, or form way knowledgeable about Greek mythology, it absolutely blew me away. Oh, so I, I, wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to just go, yay, thank Aww. you for saying something new. Um, and, for and saying it, it so well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I and I we we recommend to all of our listeners to absolutely go and take a look at this because it was just a really great episode oh. and a really great analysis of it. Thank you. Well, it's probably let's probably say Monsters and Heroes for those who don't know the titles of the was this was the Snake Bite episode. So for those for those who don't know the titles, it was the when when Jamie gets bit by the rattlesnake and almost dies and almost dies. Yeah. So with that, we wanted to kind of expand a little bit on that and maybe look at the the rest of the series a little bit yeah. through mm-hmm. the lens mm-hmm. of some Greek mythology and to, to say, you know, what are some real obvious ties to Greek myth? And with that, I will be quiet for a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, f- I feel like I don't want to misrepresent myself here. I'm not a mythologist. I, I didn't <laughs> study the classics. I'm a veterinarian, as a lot of people know. And biologist by nature so I'm not I don't purport to be an expert at all I just you know I do a lot of reading I love reading Greek Greek mythology it's actually something my son has really gotten into during this whole quarantine too so it's kind of serendipitous that we've been reading a lot about it at home and Mm -hmm. so maybe that colored my interpretation of the season as a whole I'm, I'm sure it did but wholly appropriate though if it did so yeah yeah there is a blogger out there who who is actually a mythologist that she contacted me after I I 
published this blog and, and, and it's called like mythic bliss at wordpress.com. And, and she, she does do a great job of analyzing kind of all of the seasons of Outlander through a mythic perspective. So I just wanted to give her a little shout out. Dory Kohler is, is mm. the, is the scholar there, but. Oh, Dory. Yeah. 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 So she's, hi Dory. <laughs> <laughs> so she follows us too. And she oh, yeah. and Amy Davis. Um, yes. So Amy Davis um, is a film and media um, scholar and stuff around fairy tales. We had Amy Davis as a, oh. as a guest uh, when we talked about fairy tales. And so Dory and Amy, I think are really good friends professionally and, and, and personally probably it's as well. But world. then I think, yeah. <laughs> Right. Okay. Yeah, we need to have Dory on as well. But anyway, yeah. keep going. <laughs> but I mean, when I watched this episode, it seemed like they were really including intentionally some references that weren't in the novels. And so it was like, well, what are they trying to say here? So, you know, they make references to the Bed of Procrustes and the Book of Karen or Sharon. Um, I think you can pronounce it either way. And those weren't in the novel. So to me, it seemed like the writer, Shana Fuel, was really trying to intentionally say something. And I think the title itself, mm-hmm. Monsters and Heroes, references Greek mythology pretty mm-hmm. explicitly. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, that's oh, all yeah. Greek mythology is, is monsters and heroes and gods mm-hmm. so yeah i remember when we saw the episode and when uh, terry and i were doing the the youtube thing we were like yeah that title didn't really suit i didn't really like that title <laughs> you know and and then it was, and then i read your your post and i was like well shit <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it, it is better right. for the next one, right? It seemed yeah. to work better for the next. Yes, episode. it did for you know, like for mm. kind of literal sort of stuff. But yeah, I, I, once I read mm. Ter- uh, Tracy's post, I was like, "Well, yeah, okay, that does that makes complete sense," and it completely went over my head. Oh, I didn't, especially didn't the Minotaur, even see the it. Minotaur yeah. moment yeah. where you were like. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Yeah, <laughs> she's just... sort of dancing with the bull there. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it seemed. And, and To save her son. Yeah, yeah. They, they made quite a few references in the episode where I thought, oh, I think they're really trying to say something. Like I said in the last podcast, I can't ever pretend to know what the writers are intending, but it seemed like these were pretty intentional. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, it yeah. does. And writers are actually really intentional on this type of they stuff. Are, and so you yeah, know. They are. I mean, a lot of people think all they all have to do is put Diana's words to to a different <laughs> and, and it's not. They're interpreting it, they're adapting it, they're they're artists and writers in their own right. They're mm-hmm. uh, and they spend months on these episodes, so it's it's of course they're being really intentional and thorough and going through many, many drafts, I'm sure. And there's always going to be some accidental, a- there's always going to be some lucky accidents. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, when you're putting this amount of money into a production, right. mm-hmm. and you're putting it out there as a means by which to connect with hundreds of thousands of people, yeah, you're going to be intentional about everything you write. Right. Yeah. You know, how it draws us in and how they choose to use Jamie's classical education mm. like, that might have been a, a really great way to expose the audience we, we see this in the book a lot is right. Jamie Jamie talks about himself as being an educated man and that he you know while he has brute strength and is a soldier and is you know a farmer and can be you know uh, a cattle rustler and <laughs> you know can do all of the other things too he is actually um, he was he was a learned man more so than average yeah a lot more so yes yeah. i mean he knew latin and, Greek, and clearly latin. yeah yes yeah so he was classically trained right and so this is a great opportunity for us to see his classical training as he's talking with roger mm-hmm. yeah jamie and i have been looking forward to that episode mm-hmm. forever because yeah. we knew yeah we knew that the relationship between roger and jamie had to make a sharp change yeah. and it does in the book and we expected it to happen in the in the actual in, in the show mm-hmm. so um so this this was a way for them to have a common language to have mm-hmm. a common conversation as Jamie's not just really good with a gun right and I, I mean that figuratively as well as you know as as literally he's also this really intelligent 
highly um, like highly trained and highly knowledgeable man for the time. And and that would be something they bond over. I mean, that, that felt authentic yeah, yeah. to me. I mean, yeah, they're both they're both super educated. I mean, if you teach at Oxford, I mean, you're not you're no mm-hmm. slouch. So no. Nope. Yeah. So I, I, I liked how they did that. I thought I thought that was very organic the way they they had them bonding over over something like that. In the book, they bond too over theology, and, and they mention this actually in, in the show as well. They bond over biblical stuff too, which right. is really kind of a nice setup for what happens to Roger in the next season yes. mm-hmm. and in the next book. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that, you know, Roger is the only son of a preacher anywhere, anywhere nearby. <laughs> and so they look to him for, I don't know, a spiritual help. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I loved in the books too how he's like, well, but I'm not... I'm not a reverend. I'm not a priest, you know, and then, and then he, he sort of kind of self-discovers like, well, I do know all this stuff. It does come naturally to me. I, mm-hmm. I love that. I, I do remember all my father's sermons. So I, I, I love how that parallels a lot of what happens with Bree. So Roger, Roger has some natural tendencies that apparently come from his, his father that uh, I, I guess in reading some of the novellas, we pick up on some of the more romantic nature that he right. has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and his father seems to have a romantic nature as well. And, and we meet his father in later Jeremiah books. McKenzie, we mean. Yeah. Jeremiah yeah. McKenzie. But he, he gets his training from his adopted father, his, the Reverend, the mm-hmm. Reverend Wakefield, and takes his name. Mm-hmm. The same happens with Bree in many ways she has the nature from her father right and and yet she takes this this total training from a very logical very systematic very engineer-like frank cerebral yeah yeah yeah, very cerebral and and she takes his name right and so Yeah. yeah So you've kind of got a really good, and that's a good way for them to connect as well. I I hadn't really put that together, I don't think, until now. I like, I like that, how that, how that kind of parallels. I I agree. But we're not talking about Greek mythology, are we? No, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so if if we're talking about Greek heroes, the first Greek hero that comes to mind is Heracles or Hercules, however you want to say his name. Right, yeah. That seems to be the one that I think of most or the one that's most popular. And so he goes through, what, 12 labors? Yes, yeah, 12, 12 tasks or labors. I'm, I, I'm not as super familiar with the Hercules myth as I am with, like, the Odyssey and the Iliad. I wrote in the blog, Roger seemed like he was the Odysseus character in, in this, mm. oh, okay. you know, just trying to make his way home. I mean, we can talk about Hercules or... Paraclees, oh, no, 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 it's fine. No, 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 let's <laughs> no, talk about what you want to talk about. Yeah. You're the guest, and oh. we want you to talk. Yes, we talk about what you want to talk oh, about. Oh, no, well, I mean, it's your we, We're not experts. <laughs> no, but, but we're not experts in what you're I'm not experts in. either. I'm not an expert either. Um, I, and I but, need to confess, guys, like, I don't really know anything about Greek <laughs> other than just what's in kind of popular culture. Yeah, Hercules really strong guy i think of him when i think of samson you know like it like i don't even it's like bible stories <laughs> well, i know i mean is but, there a connection but, but there, greek but, yeah. and yeah probably well so yeah. I'm, I'm specifically just and just to get it out of the way mm-hmm. i did a little bit of research just before before we went on today to look mm-hmm. into some greek mythology and of course hercules is the first thing that comes up right when you're talking yeah. about a hero and of course, the Odyssey and the Iliad also come up, and I'm not as familiar with those, so so you're going to take that away um, <laughs> for us, Tracy. Um, but I and I know a little bit about it, but but not as much as you do. But what kind of interested me was there was there's one of the labors that he does is the multi-headed Hydra. Okay, yeah. And so it it reminded me of season two and season five being this Hydra that they keep trying to lop off the head of these wars of these battles, of this horrible thing that's coming, and it just, just grows three more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, it just keeps going three more. And so it's it's like Jamie is almost the Heracles, Hercules character that has these labors. I mean, he gives up Claire, 
and he has to go through the labors of prison. He has to go through that. He has to go through the flogging. He has to go through the labors of working in, in hell water. It, and, and it almost even has a flavor of the, um, of the Joseph cycle there um, for, yeah, from, from the Bible. Genesis, yeah. Well, where Joseph has to go to prison and mm-hmm. then Joseph is a, you know, is a laborer or a slave and is approached by Pot- Potiphar's wife, mm-hmm. um, much like Geneva, Geneva approaches him. Geneva and Potiphar's yeah. wife. Oh, I should write a paper on that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you should. Yeah. You should totally write a paper. I, do, you, do you know the story, Tracy? No, no, but I mean, it uh, sounds like it's got legs. Like, yeah, yeah it's got legs. To, it's, you need to get on that. Yeah. Totally got legs. But, but you know, it, it kind of kind of brought that to, to me that, that really Jamie is this kind of heroic character in the same respect that Hercules is Mm -hmm. and the same respect that he has these labors he has to get through to win the respect of the gods or to pay his penance or to reach the place where he needs to reach because in in the Joseph cycle at least at the end of it Joseph says something that is is very. Joseph goes. Joseph is the Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. He is the one who has this call early at an early age, and his brothers are jealous, and they sell him into slavery, and he goes through all of these terrible things before he rises to second in command uh, in Egypt, and mm-hmm. then his brothers and his family are in um, need, and he helps them. But at the end of the whole story, he says. God brought me here. God did all of this. All of the mm. terrible things that happened to me, God used mm-hmm. to um, to bring me to this place. So it's almost got this whole, it's almost got this fates right. kind of thing. So yes. you talk a little bit yeah. about the fates. Yeah. It, it, it has very much a feeling of everything is laid out. All the shit I just went through, no problem mm-hmm. because here I am and everything good. And it's, it's, I love the story until we get to that part because I have a lot of argument with that particular (laughs) thing that he says. But when I think about Jamie in that light, then I understand what Diana says about how she, or Diana's husband says about how she writes Jamie, that that the story of Outlander is actually about Jamie told through Claire's eyes. Right. And yeah. I've never really liked that at all because yeah. to me it's the story of Claire. But if I look at Jamie as this hero, this mythic hero like Joseph or like Hercules, right. then it makes a lot more sense. Gosh, I, I love that. I, hmm. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and if you think about, well, is the ultimate, are we getting back to that ghost in Inverness standing outside the balcony is is that what we're working towards are are all these deeds are all these trials and tribulations this heroic journey this hero's journey is that is that what Mm. we're leading up to it has to be I don't know it has to be I mean we we, she says she's going to answer that in the last book yeah if we ever get there and if she lives long enough please god (laughs) (laughs) please god I don't yeah yeah Yeah. Mm. we could all use something Good to read these days. We could. Yeah. Yes, we could. <laughs> we could. We could. Talking about mythology, I mean, I'm not, I'm not taking us down a different path, but currently I am reading, and only really because I've seen other Outlander fans talking about it, I'm reading the All Souls trilogy with uh, Deborah Harkness, yeah. The Discovery of Witches, and I'm not really into that kind of stuff, but actually, book two is better than book one, by the way, too, <laughs> so just telling you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried pick one too, and yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, it's I, the mythology of kind of how all you know, like I don't know. I, I, these are feeling the the how Matthew is portrayed. I'm paying attention to and how Jamie is written about as well. Like I think there's really common. I can see completely why Outlander fans tend to be. Or there's a crossover between the fandoms, yeah, yeah. I think. Well, it's uh, funny because I, I watched, I read the first book and mm-hmm. I was not really overly impressed. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to read the second book and I couldn't get past the first chapter. Mm-hmm. But I watched the series mm-hmm. and Matthew Good improves that story oh, quite gosh, a bit. Yeah. 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 He, improves, <laughs> he improves a lot of things. Yeah. He improves a lot of things. <laughs> Downton Abbey got so much better when he came on. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm getting beside hot. the point. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we were talking about we were okay, talking about so Greek let's... mythology, but these kind of epic stories. Yeah. 
So talk yeah. to us, Tracy, about epic stories like the Odyssey and the mm-hmm. Iliad and how they kind of draw some some parallels to Outlander. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I loved what you said because it sort of broadens the view looking at the series or the story as a whole if you if you look at it through your lens what you were saying about about Jamie and the Hercules comparison but they seem like they did it a little bit more this season the one episode the perpetual adoration where yeah they're sort of really exploring predestination and and mm-hmm. how it, it it's interesting that they had a free will episode as you know mm-hmm. t- and then they they had a sort of counterpoint episode of well how much is predetermined for us and the the perpetual adoration episode it seemed like they were really referencing the Greek fates. You know, there was three Greek fates. Mm-hmm. They had a yeah. string for every mortal. They decided where on the string to cut. That's how long every mortal's lifespan was. And all the events of their life were sort of laid out. They were fated. And mm-hmm. no matter how much you tried to prevent it or change it, it just it just brought it closer. You know, you just sort mm-hmm. of circled the noose tighter around your neck, which is also apt for this for this season Mm. um and we see that over and over with jamie and claire i mean the more they try to change things or the big things the more it seems like they just draw closer to them you know it's the more they try to stop it and change that that trolley cart direction the more it seems more likely to happen so that seemed as a as a story as a whole it just really seems like they're tying in a lot to that fate that predestination yeah have you have you ever read or seen Oedipus Rex or know the story of Oedipus I know the story of Oedipus yeah 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 and and that's it, it kind of goes along with what you were saying that the very thing you're trying to prevent you end up causing right yeah so he he runs away because he knows he's fated to marry his mother and sort of runs away um, in the Oedipus story if I'm recalling correctly and yeah, and, to kill his father and yeah, marry his mother. Yeah, and then it, yeah. it just happens anyway. Yes, it's just, it's the same thing. I, we see it over and over in, in, in the Greek Greek stories. Yeah, yeah. You see it in today's stories too. So if you were to, and, and I look at films like 12 Monkeys, which is old. I mean, it's an older film. It's from the 90s. Yeah. But that one is probably one of the better, what? <laughs> just, oh, never mind. Sorry. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> You're laughing. I just remember but, but, going to see it in a the theater and I wasn't, I yeah, it just doesn't seem like it was that old. But yeah, yeah, keep going. <laughs> the, the, the years get, um, the days are long, but the years are short. I've right? on so. a toad the wet sprocket uh, <laughs> marathon, and I'm like, this is oh 25 God. years old. I can't toad believe it. the wet sprocket. Yeah, toad the wet I haven't heard sprocket. that anyway. name in a long time. <laughs> anyway. Um, Sorry. Yeah, so so with 12 Monkeys, the, it, it's the same kind of thing. It's the, the very thing that you are trying to prevent, you end up causing. Right. It's it's your actions were already decided long, long ago. And that there is somebody who is completely and totally in charge, whether it's the fates or Zeus or God or, you know, something is in charge and, and everything is determined. Everything is predetermined from the moment that you are born until the moment that you die. And there's, you know, so since you're a biologist... <laughs> There's some sense to that. There's some sense to certain things. Like I will, because of my parents, never grow up to be six and a half feet tall. Right. Yeah. Um, it's just not ever going to happen. Not The whole world is not open to me. The world is not a 20-sided die. It might be a three or four-sided die. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hadn't I hadn't ever thought about it from a, a biology viewpoint, but that's true. I'm never, you know, I'm never going to be an Olympic athlete or, or what have you. Um, so yeah, Mm -hmm. but I think in the monsters and heroes episode, Roger's story seems like it's really like the hero's journey Mm -hmm. as far as structure. Well, I guess I was going to back up and just ask you guys, how do you reconcile that as theologians as far as, I mean, I'm sure this is like a huge topic that you can't cover mm-hmm. in just one podcast but um we've, i mean how we've you... done an episode on it <laughs> oh have you have you yeah, we have. Yeah, oh, okay. or no well how outlander kind of sets that how up outlander and, yeah and i don't think with we, the uh... theological question but it's been argued for millennia 
Oh, it's um, been argued forever. Yeah. Um, you know, who who causes things to happen? Can you change the future? Mm-hmm. But nobody really began talking about whether or not you could go back and change the past until you ended up with a time machine sometime mm-hmm. in the late uh, 19th century mm-hmm. with um, with uh, written by George or uh, not George Orwell um, written Wells. by H.G. Wells yeah. and so H.G. Wells writes this thing and then suddenly you've got this birth of science fiction and the idea that you know can you change the future by changing the past and it brings into the question are all things ordained mm-hmm. all are right. and that, that's been a question forever Clearly, the Greeks and um, their stories lend or you know bend one way, mm-hmm. but there there are there's an entire understanding of the world as more of a free will participation because we as human beings believe as autonomous uh, entities that we are affecting the things around us, right? That we are touching things and 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 making like this book would not have opened without me, right? right? This book would not have opened without my action, and was that small action preordained by a loving or not loving God? Yeah, it's been a question that's been around forever. The Greeks answered it one way. This um, lovely theologian named Pelagius, back in the <laughs> second century mm-hmm. answered it another mm-hmm. and and said that no it's more free will and god is kind of working with us right and also somebody who is a, an actor in this mm-hmm. and then there are folks who who kind of reconcile it in other ways they're called compatibilists people who believe that god is completely sovereign over everything that the fates have their day but that human beings still have free will because we still have free choice. And so they try to combine the two into this bastardized form of, of, <laughs> of stuff. They just won't pick a side is the bottom line. And so they, they need to... Because we a- don't know. Well, I mean, that that's sort of what happens in the Outlander canon too, in the yeah. universe. And I think yes. um, Diana has said, you know, as far as big things... No one person can change it. It's it's mm-hmm. the actions of many, many people. And as maybe mm-hmm. small things you can change, you can change one life here and there. So, yeah, it's kind of... She says this in the series, too. Claire actually says yeah, that in the second to this, the last this, episode. Yeah, this season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We can change small things. Right. But we can't change the, the larger yeah. things. Yeah. Which she's maybe just discovering. Maybe discovered a while back. Well, 20 years ago, probably. Yeah. 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 Right, right. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's been a theme through the whole, the whole, you know, all the books and, and, you know, the TV shows so far too, it's been this kind of what, what do we have the power to change and trying your damnedest to do, you know, what you can. And then, yeah, I think, but this particular season, and that was something that, that you had said, Tracy, too, of kind of even as a prediction of of where the season was going to go before it started of this emphasis around free will and predeterminism and in the conversations that have happened over the course of this season I, I think if you're paying attention that is has definitely been a theme of kind of dealing with what whether it's fate or or what's been predetermined what power do we have to make the choices yeah. that we Make. And and by bringing and, and are we playing God? You yeah. Know? So that's that's a huge question yeah. too. When the, with the penicillin episode of if yeah. you're trying to create this thing, mm-hmm. are are we playing God? Should we not just? And she's like, no, no, no. We we have to do what we have to do. We mm-hmm. have to use the skills we have and make the decisions we can mm-hmm. as morally and as um, I, I have to do my job. In mm-hmm. other words, if I know something's out there, I have to help that person. Mm-hmm. And and who's not to say that Fleming discovered penicillin based on Claire's Claire's work right I mean mm-hmm. right you don't you mm-hmm. just don't you don't ever know yeah I like that idea that yeah Coming across Dr. <laughs> Rawlings notebook someday in the 20th century <laughs> oh, look at this Something about moldy bread it's so this circular really interesting so, yeah. huh. <laughs> I, I think I have some moldy bread over here let's try that <laughs> thank you Dr. Uh, Rawlings yeah oh Dr. Rawlings <laughs> so in the odyssey and the iliad yeah. um is there kind of a sense of fatalism then we have to just play our parts these battles these wars that are happening it is not us for us to ask but why but it is for us to do and die is there kind of that sense 
Um, you know, I, I think so. Um, and again, I am, I'm not a Greek mythologist, but Odysseus tries to get out of the Trojan War. He and all the other uh, men made the, the pact, you know, uh, as far as Helen, uh, the years before. And, and then it's time for the Trojan War. They have to fulfill this, this oath. And he tries to get out of it. He doesn't want to leave Ithaca, but he's sort of fated to do so. And then, you know, as on the Odyssey, a lot of things are, are pre-written as far as these ordeals he goes through and uh, through the, the, the 20 years trying to get home. So I think there is that sense of no matter what he tries to do, things are working. It, that goes back to your Hercules discussion too. You know, he's just this no matter what he tries to do, his only goal is to make it home to Ithaca and things just keep getting thrown in his path. These obstacles on his on his hero's journey. I can't help but see a lot of parallels with what happens in season two mm-hmm. and then beyond that in season three. Mm-hmm. In particular, the fact that Jamie had given an oath that he had to protect. Right. And that the, the Bonnie Prince signed him up without. Right, yeah. So he had to. He had to then support, and he took an oath to him, and he he ends up trying to break it, but then ultimately fulfills it. Right. But sends his sends home sends his 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 wife through the stones to protect her. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, um, you're right. Yeah. But, but but spends the rest of season three trying to get through those twenty years. You're um, so right. Yeah, it isn't. It is like an odyssey for him. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's very similar. I can see. I can see a lot of the parallels there. One of the points you make, um, tracing in your blog post too, related to this particular episode, the monsters and heroes, is about Jamie visiting the underworld, the afterlife. Yeah. I, it, well, he says in the episode, "I I was there. I could see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was mm-hmm. almost there." And, and then he gets pulled back and he he mentions the boat of Karen as far mm-hmm. as you know he's he's almost at that river sticks he's almost crossing it and then he gets he gets pulled back that's something Odysseus does too he visits the underworld mm-hmm. on his on his way to going home but something pulls him back and that that something is Claire and she's you know mm-hmm. I, I made the parallel in the in the blog post that she's sort of like Asclepius as the god of healing and medicine with her serpent staff mm-hmm. um her serpent mm-hmm. syringe and and she she brings him back she's you know she's like a goddess in her own right bringing him back from the underworld which I, blew my mind <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh my gosh again how did i not uh, see that i always get but. i always get accused of reading too much into the episodes and but mm. um oh yeah, let them let them talk let them accuse they're just jealous <laughs> They're just jealous <laughs> because that's, I mean, that was really, that was really brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I found to be very, very, it, it just all tied together so well. Yeah, thank you. Mm. I, so when we talk about underworld, there is another story in Greek mythology that I actually do sort of know. And it's this, it's the story of um, Orpheus and Eurydice. Or Orpheus and Persephone. Um, sometimes it's Persephone, sometimes it's Eurydice. Yes. It has to do with Orpheus. It's his wedding day. Somebody gets jealous of Orpheus getting married. His bride, Eurydice, falls into a pit of vipers. She's bitten. She dies on their wedding day. Yes. And he yeah. gets up. So she goes down and she descends into the underworld and into Hades' realm. And Orpheus is so brokenhearted. And he is the best musician in the world. He goes down to the underworld to save her. They strike a deal, he and Hades, and they say, look, if you sing all the way back out of the gates of hell, and she can follow you out, but you can't turn around. You can't look you back. You can't turn around. Yeah. You can't yeah. look back yeah. to see if she's there. And, and you can't return either. So this is your one shot. So he gets to the gate. He can't stand it anymore. He turns and he looks and he, he loses her forever. Yeah. She disappears. She had been following his voice, and he loses her forever. When I think of the story of the underworld, I almost always think of Black Jack Randall and the basement of Wentworth Prison, Mm -hmm. and how Claire is the hero there, and how she comes and rescues him, and she is the song that brings Jamie back from the brink, um, particularly at the Abbey. 
and and they've already struck the deal. He strikes the deal with right. um, the devil with with Blackjack Randall to, you know, to save Claire. But in in turn, she saves him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I I kind of see it as the happier ending, not the great ending because you know, rape and horror yeah, happen, yeah. and so. But it it is more of a a satisfactory ending for us because Jamie and Claire end up together in that particular story at the end. And he does tend to come back a little bit from the underworld, but he's tainted forever. Yeah. I keep thinking when William falls into the... The, the toilet with the snake and, oh. and they and they say uh, lord john gray is like so what news of the underworld persephone <laughs> so the whole time oh, you were telling that story i was line. i'm I sad we never when saw I read that. that i just <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 well done well done yeah, <laughs> yeah. so it is literally in the story yeah <laughs> As well as alluded to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love this story. I think it's such a bittersweet story. And I think that's one of the one of the beauties of this particular story of, of the Outlander universe mm-hmm. is that they you have the sweet and the bittersweet next mm-hmm. to each other. And I mentioned rape earlier. And it's something that I actually wanted to talk about in the last episode. And I didn't want to open that huge can of worms because we had already <laughs> talked for a really long time. But a piece that Jamie posted on our Facebook site and a piece that um, I read that she sent to me had to do with one blogger and I can't remember the name of the blogger but I'm sure that Jamie has, has got it's the name. Beth Thorne right I time. think is the, Beth the Thorne. author yeah. That specifically talks about why rape is the go-to for Outlander. Why everybody seems to have been sexually assaulted and that seems to be the common thread with everyone. And can we please step back from that? Because it's just too much. Greek mythology is rife oh, gosh. Yeah. with rape. All over the place, yeah. Uh, particularly uh, gods pretending to be others. Gods just taking who they want. Right. The raping and pillaging of conquered peoples. It seems to be also a go-to there. And so I, I kind of want to maybe talk a little bit about why it seems to be a go-to and does it need to be hmm. can we can we open that subject a little bit i yeah, i yeah. i i'm yeah, it's, it's so. gonna be uncomfortable i'm pretty sure mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we kinda, okay so we did was that our first season terry first or second season we did yeah, two I, episodes on sexual violence in outlander i think it was our first one it, um, with emma emma de goose um was our guest second um, season so Sorry, second, second season. season yeah and we raised this question then and it's been a criticism of outlander pretty much from the beginning of people who were reading the books and were familiar with the story folks who you know stopped reading it because they're like okay rape is just being used as a plot device now we're not you know this isn't something we want to continue to do in our spare time and the tv show in some ways has has continued because true to the books i guess i mean in the context of of outlander i think what i find interesting is how people talk about how well fandom gets upset when you change the story right and so beth's post was kind of saying there's story changes that are happening constantly the writers for this tv show are constantly making changes and adaptations in order to make it you know possible and some changes like we talked about in the last last episode some changes are really we were really happy with you know like i'm really glad they made some of the decisions that they've made and i think in some ways the tv show has improved on the books god forbid i say that you know um (laughs) but i'm surprised at how people have been in response to beth's post defending why claire needed to be raped at the end of the season and beth's argument is no she didn't we made, you made a choice to keep this part of the story. Why are we continuing to perpetuate this reliance on rape as a plot device? The normalizing, I guess, right. of that. Then the way in which also people uh, compare Claire's rape to Jamie's rape and how it's not the same or it is the same. Or, you know, like, so we've, we talked about that a bit in the, in the 
podcast uh, episodes before when we when we did this, but I think in this context now that now that Claire's rape is out in the open, as it were, with a TV show, that it needs to be revisited. We've got four main characters, at least, who have been raped. Fergus, no, five. Fergus, Ian, uh, Jamie, yeah. Brianna, Claire. Yeah, whole family. Mm-hmm. Practically, entire family. Practically, yeah. Well, and there, and there is, there is in pretty much every season a rape. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there, there, there is in the first season. Obviously, Jamie is raped. Mm-hmm. In the second season, Mary Hawkins gets raped. Yeah. In the third, Ian gets raped. Mm-hmm. In the fourth season, Brianna gets raped. Mm-hmm. And in the fifth season, Claire has been raped. Second season, Mary Hawkins also Fergus. And Fergus, also Fergus, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then there's Claire with the king, which I don't view as consensual since it was sort of no, no it's not quid no. pro quo yeah. sex she didn't really have a choice yeah so that's three so there's sort no, of yeah, three, three yeah and then you've got geneva and jamie which you know book versus tv show but yeah yeah so in the context of greek mythology rape everywhere <laughs> so bible rape everywhere so these stories that we go to to kind of make sense of our lives <laughs> seem to take rape as a matter of course. Meanwhile, in the Me Too era, yeah. we're going, no. Is some of that due to who who writes the myths? Who writes the stories? Tend to be men. Yeah. And is, mm-hmm. is this a, has this been just the viewpoint of, well... This is how stories get told. This is how... Yeah. This is what men do. Yeah. Right. Boys will be boys. Yeah. Well, but, I, you know, so coming at it from a character perspective, if I'm mm-hmm. looking at the character of the Browns, mm-hmm. what would he do mm-hmm. if he had Claire alone mm-hmm. with his men? What would they do? Oh, a woman mm-hmm. who challenges the patriarchy, who's introducing birth control to... This sort of mm-hmm. backwards town or whatever you want to call Brownsville. Yeah, he would have exerted his his male physicality. Uh, you know. Yeah. A, so it doesn't become a plot point when you're talking about a character action. Right. And something that actually springs from the character. I mean, the setup is there. That mm-hmm. is the plot point. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they, they set this up with, you know, um, Brown being and, and the Brownsville people being very, very threatened right. mm-hmm. by Fraser's Ridge. Mm-hmm. But, you know, as you've seen in the in, in, in other war epics, mm-hmm. one of the things that is, is done is the, you know, the brutal rape and pillaging of an entire people. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways to subdue is rape. Mm-hmm. And it's taking away something that can never be can never be put back Mm -hmm. so what so so there is the plot point of creating the conflict with brown and creating the character of brown but 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 when we get to the point where he does take claire what -hmm. is he going to do with her Mm -hmm. that's exactly what he's going to do right yeah because he as the male is writing this story he's writing this piece of the story and saying no i I can take what i want and i'm going to take this now i have pillaged the ridge and this is my spoils of war yeah. And, and you're going to learn your lesson here because ultimately you will die. But I want you to experience my wrath first. Hmm. Right. But did we... Hmm, so, yeah, maybe it's cat amongst the pigeons here. But did we... Did he have to get to that point? Could Jamie That's not have... That's a question. So, you know, as far as a TV adaptation kind of thing goes, could the writers have not come in before... Uh, um, or So that Jamie and his... And his and his men come and rescue Claire before she's gang raped by at least four people. You know, did they did they need to yeah. show that? I was trying to recall if anything going forward really hinges on on her being raped and as far as the story Wendigo does. Yeah, yeah. Wendigo does. Okay. How does Wendigo how how is it contingent upon her rape, not her just her abduction and being beat up? If you're talking about dastardly people, dastardly people do dastardly things. We don't get to see the real deal until that happens, and we don't get to see Wendigo's real choice until it happens. Yeah, we don't get to see the inside of who Wendigo is until he allows it to happen. 
Oh, until he allows her to be raped. Right. He doesn't help yeah. her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, allowing her to be kidnapped is one thing. Mm. And you can survive the kidnapping. But when you are sexually assaulted, mm. that's taking it to another level that it, there's no going back from. Yeah. I'm not saying kidnapping is a, is a good thing. And I'm not saying that you can't be mentally really messed up from, the, from a kidnapping. Mm. But there is something more when you take control of somebody else's body and space. Mm. And, and in this particular instance, we get... And I, I, look, I, I don't like to see the rape either. Mm-hmm. I, I hated it in the book. Mm-hmm. But it does lead us to a complicated Wendigo. Mm-hmm. And it leads us to losing our compassion for him. I don't know that I'm convinced by that, though. I think I yeah. would I, you know, him just not intervening on her behalf once he realized who she was, was enough. I don't, yeah, I don't think I needed to... To have her have men line up for her. No, yeah. no, I don't think so. And even you know, we talked about. I remember Emma and I talking about Fergus. So we deal a bit with Fergus's trauma, but it has not been talked it's about. It's never since. been revisited. Yeah, and he was a child. No, no. Uh, yeah. and he was a child. Yeah, yeah. His hand and keeps being revisited, but nothing else does. Nothing else. <laughs> Ian. So there was a revisit with a conversation between Ian and Jamie about um, Galus. I think. Or am I yeah. confusing with the book? There was. Yeah. But not since. No. Jamie's rape kind of. He doesn't talk about it often, but we know it's kind of a specter that's there. Um, it's referenced at, at least quite throughout. a bit, yeah. Yeah. Brianna will continue to be, I think. I just don't... I remember thinking this when I read the book. was just kind of a, did that really need to happen? But then I was also already aware that folks were talking about rape being used as a plot device and how they weren't happy about that. The other thing, I guess, in going back to the Greek mythology thing is... The and and okay, so yeah, men wrote the Bible and probably wrote Greek Greek myths as well. But you also have this kind of yeah, yeah, and told them and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but you also have this situation, and this kind of goes back to our fates conversation too, where you have this situation where you are not in control. Consent is not an it is not even it's a non-issue. Yeah where God is God's are concerned, <laughs> right? And that would be kind of the same in the Bible too. God's not looking for your consent and, you know, it's just whatever God wants, God gets, right? God takes, God does. And yeah, I just, I wonder if this, if this story is kind of put together in that way of, you know, relying on these kind of myths and these heroes' journeys and that kind of stuff, if you also have that same kind of dynamic that's happening and the fates and these things are going to happen to you and they're going to be horrible and there's not going to be any reason for it. You know, like, I'm not trying to redeem it, but I wonder if that's something that's working in the... Yeah, I don't know if I'm making any sense. No, I... I... Especially since you said that, Terry, about sort of Jamie undergoing through this hero's journey throughout the seasons... I'll be curious to see what happens in the last two novels, how this mm. story is wrapped up, because it could be this, this, what happened in the, in episode 512, it, it might be part of a larger mm-hmm. plan mm-hmm. that we just don't know. We just don't know yet. Yeah. It's funny because when I was reading the books before I got to A Breath of Snow and Ashes, I remember thinking that there's a, there's a rape in every book here. Mm-hmm. And the only person who hasn't been raped is Claire. And, and damn it, if they didn't do it, in A Breath of Snow and Ashes. I'm looking at the other seasons that to come in book seven and book eight. And I don't know that I recall, except maybe William taking somebody that he shouldn't have taken. Well, there's the whole, yeah, the Fanny and her sister thing yeah. happening. Yeah, there's some weirdness going on there about um, consent. Mm. And so I'm I'm trying to remember if there are any further plot point rapes that are mentioned in the stories but Mm -hmm. i i I can't remember honestly if there are or not except for fanny and her sister yeah Mm -hmm. i think her sister gosh her name escapes me jane maybe yeah i think yeah Um, i think it was jane like which is horrible i can't remember yeah it's not from william it's like from another soldier who 
And then yeah. she's trying to avoid her sister being the victim. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. she sort of takes it for her sister. But we don't see that. I don't think we see that. Or it's sort of talked about but not seen in the mm-hmm. in the books. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know that we have any more going forward. Mm. Yeah. I, I think Claire was probably the penultimate one. The one, the person we start with to begin with who is yeah. talks in first person, right? Mm-hmm. So we are Claire. Mm-hmm. And so we have just experienced this thing. And I think that's... That's part of why you're like, wait a minute, what, what's going, what, mm-hmm. what just happened? It's, yeah. you know, when, when she loses faith, I felt the same way. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, what just, what just happened here? Did mm-hmm. what? And she's already been molested by King Louis yeah. to a degree. And I, I, I had the same feeling then. And under, throughout season one, under the threat of rape, constantly. Yeah, the two Constantly. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blackjack as, as well as Dougal. Mm-hmm trying to take her or or even yeah the the folks downstairs in the bar where Jamie slept outside the door to mm-hmm. protect her yes. there there's always that threat so so there is something to be said about the place where we live now mm-hmm. and it it is a place of where i live now in Richmond Virginia in the United States is somewhat privileged in the sense that if i were living here even 50 years ago, walking outside could really get me seriously hurt without any reprisal. Mm-hmm. Today, I can walk outside and still get seriously hurt, but there might be some reprisal. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so there is something to be said about previous times not being as, not caring. Me whether too a sensitive. Woman, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is it not caring whether a woman is taken and the only thing. Yeah that the woman has as a result of it is the loss of the value of her virginity or the loss of the value of her chastity. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's, there is something to be said about the difference between today and back Mm -hmm. then and and trying to be true to the actual time period and to the characters that are written in that time period. Mm -hmm. But to your point, you make a good point, Jamie, and and the article makes a good point, which is Mm -hmm. why I brought it up. We've got rape all through our mythology. And if we are the stories we tell ourselves, mm-hmm. and a lot of it, a lot of the stories, and we've talked about this, a lot of our stories have parallel with mm-hmm. with Greek myth as well as other mythology that's out there, Gilgamesh and and some others. Mm-hmm. How are we talking about this subject? Mm-hmm. Are we saying this is enough? We don't have to say this story anymore. We don't have to tell the story anymore, or are we saying we tell this story to honor the victim? And we put the blame on the right people. Zeus is not right for going and taking somebody. Mm -hmm. We actually talk about the story in the sense that it's not okay for Mm -hmm. Zeus to do that. And it's not okay for Hera, his wife, to punish a child as a result of this. It's not okay for these things to happen. Yeah. And I think the conversation around fandom has been kind of, well, that's what it was in history, right? So we need to be realistic to that. And even Wendigo's comment of you're not, you're not afraid of men enough, you know? So they're, they're obviously, yes, there is something there, but... But you're not exegeting it. Let's go back yeah. to that word. Yeah, exactly. You're not, actually, yeah. Yeah. you're not exegeting it. You're not opening it up mm-hmm. so that it breathes today. Mm-hmm. In today's world where we say rape, molestation, taking some control of something that is somebody else's is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not, it, it's, it, it's, it's leaving it in its context mm-hmm. and allowing it to live like that here. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't want that in my house and I don't want that in my head. And by telling these stories over and over and over, whether it's Greek myth, whether it's biblical work or whether it's Outlander, we're constantly sort of telling these stories and we are, regardless of whether we're doing it or not, we are interpreting them. We are making sense of them. We are applying them to our life in in some form or fashion, whether it's through spending hours on Facebook fandom or whether it's something else. It's But it is, constant. we're constantly sort of thinking of the meaning in, in these stories. And and that interpretation calls for responsibility, I yeah. think. I love, I, so you wrote a blog, Tracy, basically it's what would Jamie do? What would mm-hmm. Jamie and Claire do? Oh. And, and, and I think that's to your point, Jamie Reeves, <laughs> I'm talking to, um, that, that I, I think it's to your, to your point, Jamie, that, the the article that Tracy wrote, the blog that she wrote, had to do with where we are now 
and Mm -hmm. taking stock of where we are and using these stories to give us strength, particularly as we're dealing with COVID and as we're dealing with potential financial crises as a result of COVID and as we're dealing with polarization over wearing a fucking mask. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It's like, come on, people. It's It's not not here in the UK yet. Most people aren't wearing masks, but anyway. Uh, What I'm taking from what you're saying is that We need to be looking for the good in the stories and how we can really rise up and use the strength of these rather than rather than using the the places that we don't have to go. Mm. Right. Mm. Yeah. And there's always this sort of in the fandom to this constant discussion of presentism, where Mm. is it appropriate to impart our 21st century values and ethics onto a story that either happened in the 1960s or in the 1700s. And I think there is a way to do it where you're presenting things that are historically accurate, but you're also providing commentary on why we don't allow it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and Mad Men, going back to Mad Men, you know, another period drama, they did that really excellently. I don't know if you guys watched that show, but they, they were able to make points about, it wasn't just the pretty clothes, pretty people, the cool cars. It was pretty people doing horrible things. And this is why they were horrible. You know, they're dying of lung cancer or they are sexually harassing their secretaries. And this is, so I think there's a way to do it where you're being true to the historical time periods of Outlander, but you're also saying, yes, this is, this happened, but this is why it was inappropriate or just so wrong. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense, but you are, you are absolutely making sense because this is, this is why it changed. This is why we don't do this today. You can do both. That's that's really, yeah, you can. And that's, that's actually the work of exegeting something is you mm-hmm. taking something from a long time ago that we mm-hmm. all that a, a, an entirely different group of people from 2000 years ago, said was important, a story that was important. So if it was important to them then in their context, mm-hmm. why is it important now? And what has changed? Right. Mm-hmm. And how can it apply today? Mm-hmm. And that's really you know, while we may be talking about things in the 18th century, it's still written in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And so we should be talking, we should be and bringing it forward. it's a fucking time travel story. Exactly. Yeah. It's about time travel. Yeah. So the, the, just... it's built in that we're already going to exactly. be interpreting it exactly. through a different lens. Yeah, of yeah. Course. It's sort of built into the... Yeah, yeah. the main character is allowed to question it because she's from the 20th century. Yeah, and she right. does from yeah. the very beginning. Mm-hmm. She questions it all from the very beginning, which is how right. we ended up with time travel to begin with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I, I, I think that to, to Jamie's point of we really didn't need to have the rape, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, probably didn't actually need to happen. Probably didn't actually need to happen in the book. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, you really need to have something about the character of Wendigo or any future conflicts with Brownsville. Yeah, I mean, there's the whole honor thing. But again, you know, just abducting her and having done what they did prior to, I think it'd still be a... Might yeah. be enough. I think yeah. that was, I would think it would have been enough. Yeah, this is it's been amazing, Tracy. Thanks so much Thank for coming so and much. being a part. I'm, I hope I contributed something. Uh, yeah. I really oh appreciate the opportunity. Oh it was wonderful. And yeah, yeah on to Droughtlander. On to... <laughs> yeah. yeah, we um, we definitely want to have you back. And yeah, yeah, it's oh, I'd been love it. amazing love it. to have have a conversation. After I learn a little bit more about the Odyssey and the Iliad, yeah, oh. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't even get to Brianna, the Minotaur, you know, all of that story as well. So we heartily recommend it was, was it the 22nd of April, the uh, Monsters and Heroes, if you want to yeah, Episode 509, yeah. 509, yeah. 22nd of April. Well, yes, of course, all of them. Um, but oh, specifically so around yeah. mythology. It was, it was good. It was a good season. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. Thank it was you. Both I think it was. Be- I think it was stronger than last season. I really do. I think yeah. so too. Yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. We'll cool. see everybody next time. Um, and yeah, stay well. Stay safe. 
that's it for this episode of Outlander Soul. Thanks for listening. If you love what we do, give us a review, especially on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, because it helps people find us. If you listen and you like what you hear, please consider supporting us financially. Just click on the support us button at our website, www.outlandersoul.com. There's lots of ways to donate and every little bit helps. Also, we love hearing your comments, questions, and ideas for the show. So we'd like for you to join in the conversation. You can reach us through our website, email, voice memos, or social media on Facebook, Twitter, or Tumblr. By email, you can email us at Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com or via our website at www.outlandersoul.com. Thanks again, everybody. Bye.